Beloved Church of God, I greet all of you. For me, as for you, this is a great privilege and a great joy to be partaking to God's chosen remnant, who now more than ever is in the very center of attention of God's eyes. It's very pleasant to look at you, to see your faces. I know that we always come to this place with a prepared heart and with an inclined ear. And today we have again paid a price of our deep discipleship, our precious time, our diligence, perseverance. our energy you are blessed before god i also want to greet all of those who are not here but are with us right now and share in that same blessing are present with us at their screens and you know this is truly a wonderful blessing of god to have a live stream of all of our services for all of those saints who would want to be here, who would want to not miss the service of the temple, but due to certain circumstances, perhaps temporary, truly temporary circumstances, perhaps in some kind of illnesses or other circumstances, they cannot be here, but they have this privilege and desire and they, with trembling, wait for these services there where they are. Of course, we remember that a part of our brothers and sisters are far away from us. They live in other countries, and it's interesting that they also consider this as joy to be present here at our televisions. And I consider it a great privilege and honor and price that people are able to watch at this very same time as we watch service because our time zones are different. They either need to wake up at 5 in the morning, at 4 in the morning, I'm not sure, just dependent on where they are, or they go to bed very late, dependent on when we have service here. But I know, I know that they are present, and lately I hear very good testimonies from saints. Many write, Thank, thank Pastor for the word. Truly, there is a lot of gratitude. People are rejoicing. Our saints, and I hear a testimony, are leaving on vacation. And on their vacation, they say, just due to habit, due to our habit, we can't miss service. And even there, we find time. We leave time. We leave our cares, all of our... Uh, all of our other things and we worship and we participate and those saints who who work out of country perhaps some other kind of, of, of jobs require a person to leave the state then we have an opportunity there where they are to worship to participate 
All of this tells us what? About the deep desire of a person, about the deep dedication, about love toward God, about love toward the Word, toward the Church. And of course, this tells us that we together are waiting for great events, the great feast that will come. We wait for this feast, and you know, this day is known only to God, and therefore we will wait for as long as, as God needs us to wait. We here have heard this truth and this mystery that Pastor has spoken to us, that we listen to, that the Church of Christ she right now is at the doorstep or at the door of the beginning of the last of the seven of David, the seven years, the week of Daniel. Jesus once said to his disciples, he said to them these words, that blessed are your eyes that they see and your ears that they hear. For truly I say to you that many prophets and the righteous would desire for you to to see what you see today and listen to what you hear today. I consider it a great, great blessing that we are able to see and that we are able to hear. I consider this the great blessing that God has sent to us His angel mediator who shows us the direct path he has sent us his prophet, his apostle. We have known him. We have accepted him. We've accepted him in our heart. Who shows us the future of the church? Who reveals to us specifically our true calling? He uncovers our true purpose in God. And the Holy Spirit today prepares his church through the lips of his messengers how and what is it necessary for her to do, how she should be prepared. And this is truly, for us, this is a blessing that we have begun to see this and we have begun to hear it. And you know, the most interesting, I've paid attention to the fact that all that we hear, that we see, everything is in such beautiful, deep images, parables, proverbs, revelations, in which is revealed our strategy, tactic, time, and these intriguing images is revealed the path according to which we walk. That road, that road, that path where we are shown the signs and we go further and further, closer and closer, we are drawing near to this goal. And this is our, this is our blessing in this. And I want to say that God has not changed. He's always been this way. Just as before, you remember in the times of the Old Testament, the prophet, they prophes prophets, they prophesied, they showed this path. They had asked for the people of God, for them to turn to the ancient path, to turn to the ancient path of goodness, to look at the way of good, to ask of it, to learn of it, where the good way is, and to walk according to it. But a majority of people did not want to walk according to this path. They said, we will not go. We don't want to listen to the sound of the trumpet. And they, it was only accepted by disciples. Disciples are servants of the prophets. Just like in the times of the New Testament, 
Jesus was accepted only by his disciples, and the rest of the people had crucified him. Apostles of Christ, we know Apostle Paul, today's true apostles are accepted only by disciples. Who are disciples? Disciples are those who have clothed themselves in discipleship, and this has led them to the rank of servants who are able and capable of accepting that word and that revelation that is passed on by the prophet. That is why it is very important today to accept and acknowledge the authority of God in the face of His messengers and to stand in a military rank and to cooperate our faith with the faith of God. And what's interesting is that we continually hear this, the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God. Well, how important it is, is this? Because without this cooperation, we won't receive any of the blessings. We will lose everything. If a person does not cooperate his faith to the faith of God, because our faith, our faith is our obedience, is our obedience and submission to the commandments of God, to that faith of God that is called a decree or a commandment, a statute, a decree, the judgment, all that is spoken by the prophet. This is the faith of God. And it is necessary for us to cooperate, to crucify with Christ, so that as a result, we can have in heaven an eternal eternal blessing, eternal communication with God the Father, God the Son, and the Holy Spirit. And of course, with all of those saints who have, as we know, are already the church of the firstborn in heaven, who have paid the same price that we today are paying. The price of discipleship, the price of being servants of the Lord, so that we could receive this great, great reward. I will read a, I will read a quick verse before our prayer. This is Psalms 119, verse 162. David writes, I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. And this is the, the thought that we had heard or the revelation that we had heard. I will tell you when this was. This was January 28, 2018. Almost four years ago. Soon it will be five years. Why do I call this date? Because this revelation had caused great joy among us when we had first heard about the promise. About that promise that lies at the door of our hope, the erection of the power of life here on earth. In this day, we were met with this terminology. It's was unfamiliar to us before where we heard that not just our spirit and our souls will be redeemed but also the spirit soul and body will be redeemed here on earth and the adoption will happen here on earth at the door of our hope at the door of this rapture although pastor how how long we know him he had spoken for many years about rapture and talking about rapture he said that before before the church will be raptured he always said this and i think you remember he always said that before the church will be raptured 
there will not be those that are ill. There will not be those that are in debt. They will be healthy. They are going to be young. But specifically, this promise, this promise that is called to be revealed at the door of our hope, this we had heard in this day. And after this day, we began to hear on all services, how long, how many services we've had for about five years now, we here have heard about thousands of sermons. And the more and more is this image revealed to us. First, there were many questions. Right now, there still remain questions. But we know that through the sound of the trumpet, when the seventh angel sounds, our bodies here will become this kingdom of God on earth. And as I had said, this was the great joy for us. Although it wasn't familiar to us right away, it became fam more familiar. And this joy was sown in us in the death of the Lord Jesus. And I will say that it has arisen in a new new quality, in, in a wonderful fruit. And now this love or this joy, no one can take away from us because we have grown it as a fruit. And we know that love and joy are components of the fruit of the Spirit. And we have it. And no one will be able to take it from us. As I will read, Apostle Paul had had spoken of this state in, with the following wor words, Romans 8, 35-39. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? Shall tribulation or distress or persecution or famine or nakedness or peril or sword? As it is written, for your sake, we are killed all day long. We are counted as sheep for the slaughter. Yet, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I am persuaded that neither death nor life, nor angels, nor principalities, nor powers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor height, nor depth, nor any other created thing shall be able to separate us from the love of God, which is in Christ Jesus our Lord. In other words, you know that Apostle Paul had expressed this uh, similarly. He said, who can remove or is anyone able to take away from us the love of Christ, which we have grown as the fruit or this joy that we have grown? No, can um, persecution, distress, tribulation, death, nakedness, peril, sword, famine, danger, can it take the love of Christ which we have grown or this joy that we have grown can it take from us? No. Nothing in this world can no longer take away our joy and our love. The love of God because the fruit that we have gained, we will now keep it until the very end. With Christ, of course, in Christ Jesus and by the power of the Holy Spirit. We will keep this harvest, and therefore we rejoice in our heart, having received the word of God as we have, as if we have found a great treasure. And this is the bright side and bright testimony in the fact that we love His law. And of course, you know, a pastor had said it is necessary to test ourselves. It is necessary to still test ourselves. Do we love His law? Do we love Him? Do we love His decrees, His statutes, His commandments, His judgments? Do we rejoice at His word? 
there are many signs how we can test ourselves and test our love for the law of God and our joy to the word. And we have heard many definitions, and they all are very valuable to us. And I think there was a series of sermons at that time that we had heard. To us was revealed what the law is, how we act toward it, and how we do not stumble upon our path because if God will place a stumbling block for us this is eternal death for a person if God places this stumbling therefore we need to test and one of the signs according to which uh, one of the signs I would like to remind us of will be taken from Psalms 119 where David had said the sign according to which we can judge that we love the law of God this is to rejoice in our heart having received the word of God as if we have received a great reward and the great reward I think we have already understood what this is. This is the revelation, the revelation of the Holy Spirit who reveals to us our inheritance in Christ Jesus. And we need to rejoice. We need to rejoice. And I think we are well informed now at this point that love or joy in relation to the commandments of the Lord, in relation to the Word of God, in relation to the promise, is not an emotion, it's not a feeling, but it is a certain action in our heart. Having proclaimed these words, David referred to the reward in which he, which he received having prepared the soil of his heart. If we do not prepare the soil of our heart, we will not receive the great treasure. We will not receive this imperishable inheritance that is contained in the adoption of our body. And upon preparing our heart, we perhaps will cry a lot as David had cried a lot. This this is where he says he rejoices, but in many of his psalms he is crying and he is in, in sorrow. Perhaps we will lose something, perhaps we will gain something, but all of this does not count anything in comparison to, to that great reward that we revealed in us. As Apostle Paul had wrote, that we do not grow weary when our inner man suffers, is ill. Why? Because we are renewed day by day for our short-term suffering will produce the great glory, this great reward when we look not at the visible but the invisible. Why? Because the visible, when we look at the visible, it is temporary. It is ill, it suffers, it is temporary, but the invisible that we look upon is eternal. In order to receive some kind of reward, and we need to place into circulation our whole capital. For example, if we want to receive the reward from what we have sown in our heart, we need to fulfill certain actions, and to us we're shown these seven steps seven steps so that we can place the deposit of our circulation salvation into circulation and we will remember what David referred to under this great reward in his heart. Again, I will tell you that I took this testimony from the sermon of Pastor. It is light and easy for me and that I think it is also easily accepted by you all as well because this reward, it already lives in us. This revelation we already have within us for many years now. We are listening to it. We have it. We just right now are holding on to it, to not let go of it, to not lose it. I want to say that it is impossible to be quiet about this reward because, and again, I am turning 
And again, I listen to sermons. Pastor says that at each service, in each sermon, he talks about this. There's no sermon that that passes where he doesn't talk about this promise, how important it is for us. This means it's necessary to hear about it. It's necessary to speak to oneself about it, to continually remember this. This is our bread. Why is it our bread? Because when we look up at this as Moses, he had looked at the reward. As David, it is a lot easier to endure certain sufferings, tribulations, losses, gains, because oftentimes even gains uh, make a patient, make a person move away from the goal. And it's necessary to hear about this promise, and therefore we will again repeat, and you will all say how familiar this is for us, how understanding it is for us, because this is truly, um, I I listen and I listen and I remind myself and I receive a great joy and, and a blessing from this. Therefore, let us take a look at the seven steps, seven steps, sequential steps that are very important for us. First, to receive in our heart the great reward it is necessary for us to gain our land for the price that is appointed by God. So God has appointed a price for our land and it is necessary to pay it. Not, not, it's not us that appoints the price, but God. Because if a person appoints the price, his price is nothing. He might place such a price that God will say at the very end, I never knew you. Because people today, they place a price and they think about their good works. They think about their evangelism. They think about the fact that they go to church, that they call themselves saints or, or however else they, they think of themselves. They think that this is a price. But God places His price. On our end, we know that God has already paid a great high price, of, of the price of His life and His blood. He had voluntarily given His Son up for death in order to purchase us and ransom us from sin and death. This was the perfect will of the Heavenly Father. This was the magnified and lofty goal of our redemption, our redemption from sin and death for which the Heavenly Father had sent His Son, His Son to death. But on our end, there is also that price that God wants us to pay, and the price is expressed in giving up our life. But as we know, and you remember, you have heard the collaboration of our cross with the cross of Christ, and their pastor had explained well what kind of price we give. We must give up our sinful, vain life that has been passed on to us from the vain life of our fathers. So it is necessary to refuse this life, to reject it, this vain life. David had said, I was conceived in iniquity, my mother bore me in iniquity. That's why it is necessary for us to refuse it, so that as a result, we can offer the fruit of holiness. And Pastor had presented for us three verses in which this price is contained. Let us take a look at how to purchase our land for that price that God has specifically established. And simultaneously, we can test ourselves, test ourselves, examine ourselves. Have we paid this price fully? Because this price is very important. The first verse that he had offered us is Psalms 119, verse 112. David writes, I have inclined my heart to perform your statutes forever to the very end. To enter into the imperishable inheritance that is given to us by God in Christ Jesus, we can do this only from the position of a disciple. 
from the position of a disciple. And you know that a disciple is the servant of the Lord or that servant that inclines his heart, that inclines his heart to the commandments of God as David had done. Because to incline the heart is to be humbled in order to fulfill the statutes. Inclining always begins with discipleship, with the acceptance of authority. Humility expresses itself in the dignity of a disciple who who pays the price for his discipleship. Humility always expresses itself in, in what? Again, I will read Psalms 44 verses or 45 verses 10 through 11. We hear this at the very beginning. How long we know our pastor, we hear this thought and this idea. And he has, again, affirmed it for us recently because it is important. This is the songs of Korah. They were Levites. They were Levites, disciples, who remained faithful to God and to Moses. And they help us how to become true disciples. And here, Pastor has outlined four verbs. Listen, O daughter, consider and incline your ear. Forget your own people also and your father's house. So the king will greatly desire your beauty because he is your Lord and you worship him. Here are four verbs that will help that will help us see what the humility of a disciple looks like because it is necessary for us to pay a price and to be a disciple. This is first to hear what God will say through the person whom he erects in his movement, who is clothed in the powers of the Holy Spirit in the fatherhood of God. So we always come to this place with an inclined ear, as I mentioned, and with an inclined heart of a disciple. Jesus had said numerously, look at how you listen. We have already made the decision and we know who we are listening to and what we are listening to. And now each time we come to this place, we notice on our end how we listen to. We are disciples. Furthermore, we need to look at what God will do through this person. For this, it is necessary to be blind to all of that which our flesh shows us. And, you know, again, not long ago was the thought, I will, in certain thoughts, I will return and connect uh, to, to past sermons and you remember it. Not long ago, pastor talked about one of the signs, one of the beautiful signs, the eyes that will see will not be closed. This is referring to this here. Why? Because we don't need to look at the flesh. flesh. We don't need to turn back at the house of our father. We don't need to look at what is happening to not turn our eyes away from the goal. That which Levites had done, they did not look at their father, Korah, who who had risen against, against God in the face of Moses. They didn't look at their mother. They didn't look at their brothers, their fathers. They were Levites. They held, they kept the covenant and God placed them as an example. And again, we need to incline the ear of our heart. What is humility expressed in is to incline the ear of our heart. For this, it is necessary to become deaf to all of that which every flesh says, including our flesh, because behind the flesh stands reigning sin in the face of the old man. And one more sign, again familiar to us, those who... Those ears that listen will accept. Jesus says, Blessed are your eyes that see and your ears that they hear. Not all ears are able to hear. And this is 
this is a blessing when you hear not with your physical ear but with that ear this inner ear when a person hears because when he hears he is ready to fulfill an inclined ear is when a person listens to God in the face of a messenger of God and with deep attention and you know then God listens and hears this kind of a person if we come here and we listen as we all come here with a great attention we listen to those revelations that God is going to give to the man of God then God hears us our prayer and he also hears us with this great attention there is this door of this uh, two-sided movement. God hears us and we hear Him in our heart. This all tells us that only the disciples can have this quality. Disciples who demonstrate a special kind of humility. And one more important sign, to forget our nation. This is an action. The action of the Levites, which they had done, Levites who were disciples who had remained faithful to God and to Moses to forget their house, the nation, and the corrupt lusts of their soul. In other words, we know that to die or to forget our nation, the house of our Father, and the lusts of our soul means to change our relationship toward them. And Pastor oftentimes explains to us how to die to these institutes. And we know only one way by way of separation, by way of division, by way of total sanctification and dedication, so that as a result we can become responsible for God, before God, for our nation, our household, and for the sphere of our soul. And you know, oftentimes pastors ask questions, how do I be responsible for my nation? How do I be responsible for my nation, the house of my father, or my soul? And he oftentimes answers and says this he says this during marital ceremonies from his uh, from the pulpit we hear this and you know the answer always astonishes us because he brings great clarity to be responsible for our nation the house of our father and our soul means to be a light to represent god and being a light we judge those who are not the light Therefore, this is very important when a person dies to these institutes, when he dies to his nationality, to his nation, to the house of his father, when he dies to his soul. Then in this moment, he becomes a light. He becomes this judge. He, he, can, he can represent God. And the sons of Korah had remained faithful to God. They had demonstrated a strong example. They stood watch of the commandments of God. This is a commandment. This is our calling to be a light. And we hear this continually. This was the first verse. And the first verse that I had expanded, the price that we pay for our land. And right now we are talking about how to purchase our land, what price we need to pay, or how do we gain our hearts. For that price that God appoints, not what we appoint, but that God appoints. And that first price we mentioned, this is to be a disciple with an inclined ear. Or even more beautifully, when we heard 
it is a servant with a pierced ear. When a person is clothed in the garments of a disciple, he is led into being a servant of God who has this great calling in heaven. And we heard this not long ago. The second verse in which is also placed the price, Pastor offered three verses. The second one, Psalms chapter 86, verse 11, David says, Teach me your way, O Lord, I will walk in your truth. Unite my heart to fear your name. Here it talks about the fear of the Lord. We know that the fear of the Lord is the word of the wisdom of God in which a person is well known with the order of God in worship to God. And only from the position of a disciple does God receive the right to establish our heart in the fear of His name. And you already know that the fear of the Lord, it flows from the source of superior wisdom and is the manifestation of this wisdom of God. It contains this wisdom of God. And right now we are talking about how to purchase our land, our heart. And for that price that God appoints, and the first price is to be a disciple. The second price is to learn the fear of the Lord to be clothed in the fear of the Lord. And you know that if a person is not a disciple, he will never be able to be taught the fear of the Lord. Because only disciples are taught the fear of God. If a person is not a disciple, he could never understand the wisdom of God. And we had heard about the fear of God on numerous occasions, about who is our fear, what is its purpose, what is its price? What are its conditions, its signs? How do we see it in us? And Pastor had talked about this numerously on, on numerous occasions. And I think he will continue to, to talk about it. Not long ago, we had heard it. He had said about David before his death. He had said these words, and these words he had spoken and said a testimony of God. What God said about David before his death, these were the last words of this great man. And he said, the rock of Israel spoke of me. You remember, this is what God said. He said to them these words. He who reigns over the people will be righteous, reigning in the fear of the Lord. I I see that you all know this place of scripture very well. You recite it because this is the fear of the Lord. And David, interestingly, is that David remained a disciple to his very death. And God had given him a high value. He had valued this man of God. He had said that he had this fear until the very end. And that's why he was able to rule over people correctly, righteously, because he ruled in the fear of the Lord. And firstly, we are referring to our essence over ourselves. We have this fear with, uh, within ourselves so that God can also, can also give us this appraisal. One more verse in which is also included the price, Psalms 139 verses 2 through 4. Again, a very important price. Search me, O God, and know my heart. Try me and know my anxieties, and see if there is any wicked way in me, and lead me in the way everlasting. Of course, here this price in gaining our heart is contained of the ability to turn our heart to the correction of the Lord and the words of His messengers. So to allow God to fix us through the righteous person. This righteous person is going to fix us through the preached word. Not too long ago was a sermon, a, a Sunday sermon. It is still fresh in our heads. 
about who are the correct institutes of power that are given this authority to clothe us with the word of God. I think we remember this and I will just quickly remind you so we don't we don't stray away from the topic because uh, for us to just remember and to know that to correct us with the word of the Lord have only the two authorities. Why is this important? Because if we, for example, there's many people who are offended when someone incorrectly comes up and offends them or gives them some kind of instruction or correction on, on their end. But we won't be offended and resent them because, for example, I think we don't do this any longer because we know that a person could have perhaps said this or in his carnal state or his infancy or just in his ignorance no matter we know who can correct us and then we are we are we are calm uh, if someone has violated this we can uh, condescend to his level this is very dangerous when we violate when we try to correct a person who is not found under our responsibility we violate the landmarks of our neighbors and this is this commandment is a certain and this is a commandment. And when he violates this, there's a curse that comes upon this person. And we must not violate the landmarks or the boundaries of our neighbor. And I think we hear the word and we don't do this. And therefore, to correct us with the word of God is possible only by two authorities. A very long uh, paragraph that we will read. It is the man of God, apostle, and our conscience. But if I read all of this, there we need to think and really look at the words because not just uh, an ordinary conscience, because sometimes a person might lay in his conscience whatever he wants and he might listen to whatever he wants and says, let um, let the righteous cor correct me, but that person is not righteous. And we need to know that the first what corrects us is the preached word in the lips of a person who is clothed in the powers of the fatherhood of God and his helpers whom he delegated and they act with him in one spirit. And second, this is our conscience that is cleansed of dead religious works upon which is sealed faith in the dignity of the reigning teaching. This is a long process of life in order for a person to have this. And to receive this, and, you know, I really liked the the thought that Pastor had said. He said that when God corrects His children, whether it be through the lips of the messengers, whether it be to our through our conscience, He always pursues the good goal, the good goal of comfort and consolation, of instruction, in order to lead us firstly to repentance, and then in this manner to protect us from the devil as well as God, who is the true the true judge. And always when the preached word has corrected us, it comforts us right away after repentance, when we repent. Because we come to repentance, we begin to repent, and then we receive this oil. As Jesus had said to the woman, I do not judge you, go and, and sin no more, or I do not condemn you. Or he said to the person, go take up your bed and go into your house and sin no more, he said to another man. And these three verses that we had just seen is shown the price, the price for our land. 
And this is what it means. This, so we need to be a disciple with an inclined heart that leads us into the state of a servant of the Lord because a disciple is a servant. And also to be clothed in the fear of the Lord. In the fear of the Lord, we know. And you know the fear of the Lord and the wisdom of God. It needs to be purchased. There's a price that needs to be paid for it. And the sellers of this fear of the Lord these are the apostles, prophets, messengers of God, because the fear of God itself is the teaching. It is the wisdom. The beginning of wisdom is the fear of the Lord, Scripture tells us. It needs to be, at least have a price paid for it. And thirdly, this is the ability to accept correction, which we have seen. And I think that we don't have these kind of people who understand that correction is good, that they do understand that correction is good. When we hear correction, we are comforted, and this is for our good. And second, to receive in our heart the great reward, it is necessary for us to tend to and to keep the Garden of Eden on the conditions of God so that it can be prepared for sowing. And you know, to tend and to keep it is very important. It's very important. What do we need to keep? We need to keep this discipleship we have paid the price for discipleship we have paid the price for the fear of the Lord it's we cannot lose it there are so many of you sitting here and you know how many people have uh, perhaps the whole Russian population right now there's a lot of people who left the state out of fear but so many people came and went through our church and in the beginning when they had come here in the church and to this place they had come with a great desire and they were disciples they had heard certain truths for the very first time and they with joy came here they cried they were astonished and rejoiced they said that we were disciples and then they had refused to be disciples they had refused it they wanted to be teachers they did not understand that David remained until he remained a disciple until the very end. Jesus Christ was also a disciple. He was taught the fear of the Lord. We must keep this, tend it, and keep our heart to remain in the state of a disciple, to remain in the state of a servant of the Lord. It is very important to keep this land on the conditions of God so that it can be prepared for the acceptance of, uh, of the seed. Then the Lord God took the man and put him in the Garden of Eden to tend and keep it. Genesis 2.15 A person can inherit every promise if he will tend his garden, his heart, and he will keep it from the encroachment of an evil thought. So he must cleanse his heart, his conscience, as we said, from dead works, so that no evil thought can encroach there. What is an evil thought? An evil thought is any information that comes from outside and does not coincide to that revelation that we hear in the, from this place and that God has given to us to the person who is clothed in the powers of the powers of the Father. So this evil thought does not penetrate, does not go through the temple of our body so that it does not dwell within us we need to tend to the to the thoughts of the father we need to continually meditate to ponder and to listen and ponder upon that word that we hear from this ark we need to hear we need to proclaim to pray to 
to listen again to hear as soon as we stop listening there will be some kind of thoughts a person will suffer and he will say why do I have certain thoughts that are bothering me I can't be delivered from them when we are going to continually hear the word of God this does not mean that we can't do our daily work when you do your daily work you will have your thoughts are still going to be focused on God on that revelation on those truths that which you listen to that which you think of ponder upon it and it is found in your thoughts in your renewed mind because there must be a throne there we have a throne in our cleansed conscience this is faith in the dignity of the reigning teaching of Christ and also here we have a throne that's why it is necessary for us to tend these thoughts. The pastor said this is the personal responsibility of every believer as well as the personal calling of every believer in order to offer fruit in his heart and to be clothed in his resurrection. In the Proverbs it is written, Keep your heart with all diligence for out of it spring the sources of life. If a person does not tend to his Eden or his heart, then he is going to tend to his flesh and therefore a person that does this who tends his flesh is going to return to the dust and this is unfortunate and this is unfortunate story when a person doesn't want to work and doesn't want to pay the price he wants to spend his whole life with ease but here we must pay a price thirdly in order to receive in our heart a great reward of which david said rejoice Rejoice of the word as if you have found a great treasure. When David said, Rejoice in at the word that you have received, in this word he received a revelation. Any revelation that we receive, we receive in the format of a seed. That's why he rejoiced. He received it in a seed, but this seed was supposed to die in him. And all that dies, it brings us to... Uh, some kind of uh, suffering, tears, sometimes uh, we are led to this, and then it begins to produce its fruit, and we rejoice. So he had rejoiced, he had seen this. In order to receive in our heart this kind of reward, it is necessary for us, for a corresponding price, to gain the seed for sowing from the sellers in the soil of our heart not fruit we gain this we we receive the seed in this life many of us we don't need seed we purchased a prepared pro product we use it in our food but here this is referring to a seed the seed for sowing and it's very important to today purchase i'm not talking about right now because we had time we had enough time for this to purchase the seed to purchase this oil so that we're not led to panic that it's too late just as the foolish virgins had come to panic it was too late Matthew chapter 25 verses 5 through 9 but while the bridegroom was delayed they all slumbered and slept and at midnight a cry was heard behold the bridegroom is coming go out to meet him then all those virgins arose and trimmed their lamps Again, right now we are we are trimming our lamps. And the foolish said to the wise, Give us some of your oil, for our lamps are going out. Again, here I had Pastor had explained out out of context that under the lamps is referring to the land that is incapable of producing anything because there was nothing sown there. If our land will not produce fruit, we will perish. If our lamps dim, we will perish. Why did the lamps begin to dim? 
because there was not enough oil in the vessel. In the vessel, there was not enough faith of God. The word of faith placed there. It was not placed there. It was not purchased at the right time. But the wise answered, saying, No, lest there should not be enough for us and you, but go rather to those who sell and buy for yourselves. Oil are those seeds that are necessary to gain from the sellers for sowing into our soil so that we can grow be grown into the fruit of life. And pastor says that there will be a lot of sellers, just as now. But it is necessary to know and to distinguish and to find a person who has been appointed by God to be a prophet and represent the fatherhood of God on earth. Why the fatherhood? Why the fatherhood? Because the father is one who plants, a father who has the seed or who has the word, this teaching that he will offer in this seed, this is the faith of God and the dignity of the reigning teaching of Christ, personified in Christ, which we receive through the price when we hear the preached word and when we fulfill it. As Jesus had said, notice, listen to how you are hearing. We need to notice how we are hearing the word. And fourth, again, right now we are studying first these seven seven steps. And then we will take a look at what the great reward is. Fourth, to receive in our heart the great reward it is necessary for us to sow the seed in the time that has been established by God. Now we need to sow it. How do we know the time at which we must sow ourselves? We were offered Hebrews chapter 3, verses 15 through 19 to help explain this. While it is said, today, if you will hear His voice, so today, meaning right now, today, today, so that a person does not say, oh, I'll do it tomorrow, I'll do it later. No, today, if you will hear His voice, do not harden your hearts as in the rebellion. For who, having heard, rebelled? Indeed, was it not all who came out of Egypt led by Moses? Now with whom was he angry forty years? Was it not with those who sinned, whose corpses fell in the wilderness? And to whom did he swear that they would not enter his rest, but to those who did not obey? So we see that they could not enter in because of unbelief. As soon as a person hears, this is that time. But if a person hears, and does not accept, this is unbelief. What is unbelief? Unbelief is resistance. It is resistance to the faith of God, resistance to God, resistance to the man of God who passes on this faith to us. This is very dangerous when a person resists when he hears and he resists. Right now we're talking about when he hears with his ear, understands what is being talked about and resists this having his own intellect or his prideful mind with which he begins to uh, resist the revelation. And you know, then God carries out a certain decree upon these people who hear and who resist. He then says to them this decree, let their eyes not see, let their ears not hear, let their hearts not understand, and let them not turn for me to heal them. This is the most frightening stumbling that God places for a person. You know, when a person has some kind of stumbling, when he finds in some kind of snare, he can call out and scream to God, and God leads him out. But if God places a stumbling from the snare, no one can exit. And God 
place as a stumbling block only for those who do not love the law. This series of sermons where a pastor tells us he had talked about a great peace have those who love your law and there is no stumbling for them. Those who love the law, there will not be any stumbling for them. That's why we test, do we love the law? Do we love His statutes, His decrees, His judgments? Do we rejoice when we hear this? We remember that for each of us is a, is given a certain amount of time for the sowing, having passed which it will be impossible to sow or reap. That's why it's necessary to sow in the time that is established by God. Time is very important. And I will read a very beautiful phrase. Very. This is one of the beautiful deep phrases of Pastor. He talked about time in one of the sermons and a whole page he said this flowed from my spirit and i i i wrote i wrote this and it coincides with the whole spirit of scripture because all of this was taken from scripture and one of the phrases i just took and added given that we are talking about time here time is the order of eternity in the boundaries of which it is necessary to dwell and the order which it is necessary to keep and this order is the order of the kingdom of heaven, the kingdom of heaven that must be found within us, that must dwell in us in the fruit, the right fruit of righteousness, peace, and joy. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven. Ecclesiastes 3.1 And if we are do not find ourselves in the time for the fulfillment of our calling, we will face not a reward but a loss for what we thought to have. Luke chapter 19, verse 26, these are the words of Christ. For I say to you, again, for, uh, above that, he talked about the order of the kingdom of heaven, and continuing here, he said, For I say to you that to everyone who has will be given, and from him who does not have, even what he has will be taken from him. And pastor had said this during tithes and during the sermons. He said, I tell you that whoever has understanding or a reasoning, this is that order of the kingdom of heaven that a person has. And you know, the wise had this understanding, this prudence and this reasoning. That's why they were able to uh, gain oil at the time that they needed to. They knew that at the time during which they needed to come and to purchase the oil in their vessels. And that's why they had, in their time, paid a price for this. And I want to say that we also have done this because we right now are found, uh, found being found at the wedding feast. Our spirit and the dignity of these five wise virgins are found at this wedding feast where this royal food is given and this is given for child for his children our spirit has already entered to this feast and as pastor had said when he said that in the image of the kingdom of heaven has the image of the ten virgins five wise and five foolish and when we look in our essence we look at them in our essence this is a beautiful image the five wise virgins is the image of our spirit who is already found, who is already being fed from this food. 
And how do we know? Are we found at this wedding feast? Are we found at this feast? If we have sent our five foolish virgins to go purchase oil in our vessel, this means that we are found at this feast. And how do we know? When our renewed mind begins to accept this food, when we come here, to this place, when we listen to the word, when we fulfill it, proclaim it, ponder upon it, fulfill it, this means that our renewed mind, it is like a Gibeonite. He works, he carries the wood, he carries the water, he lights the the lamp in the temple. What does it mean to light the lamp? His lamp is continually uh, burning. He is continually meditating upon the word of God and his lamp does not dim day or night. Why? Because his spirit has been led into this wedding feast. And in our essence, this is beautiful. And why pastor said that the five foolish virgins are the image of a renewed mind? Because our mind is always in relation to our spirit is always going to be foolish. But he will enter into the inheritance of the spirit. This is in our essence. And in our essence, you know, this is when you see in yourselves, this is beautiful. And this is a beautiful image. The five wise and the five foolish virgins. The kingdom of heaven is likened to the ten virgins. But when we look in the sanctuary there is a little bit of a different image painted there uh, sorrowful uh, perhaps a very tra tragic for the five foolish virgins who will go run and say as they said here give us your oil our lamps are dimming and this is very tragic because they did not find themselves uh, within the time that they were given and that's why today we know and we have this within ourselves and we are found here and we are going to keep this and cultivate it. Fifth, to receive in our heart the great reward it is of, of which David said, I rejoice at your word as one who has found a great treasure. I rejoice at your word. The word that we receive in the format of a seed, we begin to sow it and we begin to grow it in ourselves so that it can offer this great reward in us. It is necessary for us to fulfill certain conditions to water what we have sown. And for this it is necessary to acknowledge those whom God has sent because without them we cannot water. We can water in ourselves only when we have one who plants and one who waters. Apostle Paul writes in 1 Corinthians chapter 3, verses 5-8, through 8, Who then is Paul and who is Apollos, but ministers through whom you believed, as the Lord gave to each one? I planted, Apollos watered, but God gave the increase, so that neither he who plants is anything, nor he who waters, but God who gives the increase. Now he who plants and he who waters are one, and each one will receive his own reward according to his own labor. Our reward is when we accept the one who plants and the one who waters, and then God is going to be able to grow within us, grow in us. This is our reward, that God will grow that we have what we have accepted because it is impossible to accept the word or to accept the teaching and to not accept the person or the messenger of God for whom was passed on this teaching. I had heard as one person had said directly, he said, well, this teaching was given to the whole church and we don't need to accept this person. As long as we have accepted the teaching, now we can use it. But, in fact, 
This is not just not according to Scripture. Scripture says that thieves will not inherit the kingdom of heaven. In order to purchase, it is necessary to go to the seller. The seller is going, there's going to be very few of them. They are apostles, prophets. We need to go and to purchase, to pay a price. And when a person refuses to go and to purchase and to pay a price, then of course, he is going to, to be at a loss. He will not inherit salvation. Sixthly, in order to receive in our heart the great reward it is necessary for us to reap what we have sown at that time and on those conditions that are appointed by God in Scripture. Pay attention here that everywhere pastor highlights the time, Time is given by God. Conditions are given by God. The price is given by God. So God gives these conditions, not our conditions, not our price, not our time. But God measures, measures a certain measure of time for each person individually as well as for the whole church as a whole. To everything there is a season, a time for every purpose under heaven, a time to be born and a time to die. Ecclesiastes chapter 3 verses 1 through 2. And how are we going to know how we can uh, how we can pluck what is planted? Let us look at the next place of scripture of Apostle Paul where we see the answer that pa- pastor has explained to us and we will see how we can find out. Romans 10, 9 through 10. That if you confess with your mouth the Lord Jesus and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. For with the heart one believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth confession is made unto salvation. Two tablets, two tablets that we must have. The heart believes unto righteousness, and with the mouth unto salvation. So it turns out that when we proclaim the faith of our heart, we begin to reap the harvest. We affirm this hidden word in us. For example, on Fridays, Right now, we are going over the eight names of God and our portion in these eight names that contain the bond of all the names of God. And we know that God God has 50 names. This is a symbolic number. We know that 50 is the image of freedom, freedom from slavery. This is 50, the year of Jubilee. And what I wanted to say, that when we proclaim with our lips specifically the names of God that are hidden in our heart, then God receives the basis to bring our prayer to fulfillment. Why? Because at that point it meets His requirements, that which is in our heart. If we do not have this in our heart and we would have simply taken and spoke, He would not bring this kind of prayer to fulfillment. Because the words of faith that we proclaim, they are equal and equal in their power to the words of God that come from His lips. This is the harvest. We accept this word. It grows in us. And then when it comes, we begin to proclaim what we have accepted. This is the harvest. The prophet Isaiah says, Isaiah 55, verse 6, Seek the Lord while he may be found. Call upon him while he is near. This means that it is not always possible to find God. It is not always to call Him. Because in the morning, there was the morning sacrifice. In the evening, there was the evening sacrifice when God could be called upon. God is close only when we call upon Him and when we hear this word. 
at this time we are able to speak to ourselves let it be to me according to your word these are the high and lofty words that we can say this in relation to us we can say this in relation to ourselves pastor had we due to our ignorance had perhaps sent these blessings to the left or to the right and we said may the lord bless you may the lord keep you whereas in fact we did not have a right to do this and of course we repented we understood that this is now very important we need to be very careful because when god said to moses he said say to aaron and to his sons this is how you shall bless the sons of israel let the lord bless you let them keep you these were supposed to be done only by the the high priests the sons of aaron god had passed this this prerogative along to them that's why we understood this we repented in ourselves and we are grateful that we are taught we are taught and we understand that when God opens us from a different angle God opens his paths to who to Moses and to the sons of Israel their works that's why he cannot show me the way he shows the pay to the apostle the prophet and to us he shows the works and we look upon this that's why each time when I hear the word I sit here and you need to sit very quietly and I in myself are constantly saying let it be to me according to your word one pastor says some kind of prophet promise or some kind of revelation and I feel that I need to proclaim it inside when I am at home I say this out loud I proclaim this often and I speak a lot but when I am here, it is very important that you inside say, God hears and he will fulfill and he places a seal. Let it be, let it be to me. And you can say this within yourselves. You can say this to your children. Husbands with this word can bless their, their wives and their children. This is the prerogative of apostles. And when apostles speaks, and after this, we have the full right to proclaim, let it be to me. I think this was very understanding to us. And seventh, again, this is a very important condition from which will depend all of the above conditions, as Pastor had said. Seventhly, in order to receive in our heart the great reward for all of these seven six steps we need help expressed in the power of the holy spirit so all six conditions all six steps are not going to work if the holy spirit is not our lord and our ruler in our life they will not work that's why only he is able to help us from the very beginning to show the price for discipleship to keep us in the state of discipleship the holy spirit will help us teach us the fear of the lord the holy spirit is going to lead us when we hear correction and he is going to help us uh, go through this the holy spirit he is he supplies the revelations of Jesus Christ in our heart, and He is the helper who can help us tend to and keep to our land, how to water it, and how to uh, lead our correct prayers and proclamations to God. He is the fulfiller of the thoughts of God, the words of the Son of God, because the Holy Spirit has a great and 
mighty power of the words of the Most High so they can be fulfilled. We looked at how to receive this reward in our heart. Now let us remember what this great reward is. Because we talked about the great reward is the revelation of the Holy Spirit, which revealed to us the imperishable inheritance of our hope. This is regarding that promise that is going to be revealed at the door of our hope, where the power of death is going to be destroyed in our bodies and the power of life and resurrection will be erected here at the door of resurrection. God has placed on the accounts of His chosen remnant the promise regarding the adoption of our body through the redemption of Christ, which is called to be fulfilled at the door of our meeting with Him in the air. This imperishable inheritance will be revealed only according to the words of Apostle Peter in the end days. And you remember, he had said that it is going to be revealed through faith who, which leads to salvation. The hope upon which we look it is living, imperishable, that is kept for us in heaven. But it is going to be opened through faith, uh, leading us to salvation, through the cooperation of our faith with the faith of God. If we do not cooperate, then this promise in our life will not be revealed. That's why it is very important to have this faith, our submission, our obedience to that word that we hear from this place. This great reward will clothe us in the atmosphere of an unearthly joy and it will spread to our spirit, our soul, and our body under the condition that we fulfill certain requirements that are noted in Scripture. Well, it will be necessary for us to test ourselves and to check. Do we rejoice in His Word? Do we love His law as David had said? I rejoice at your word as one who finds great treasure. And let us look at four questions. They are very short. Uh, very short. If we do not have enough time, then, as I mentioned, this sermon, it is necessary for you to listen to it because it is very interesting. This is when we heard about the promise related to the door of our hope. There were many other thoughts. I just took one of these. And after this, after those sermons, and every service, it was revealed more and more and more. First question, what treasure in the realization of our hope did the Holy Spirit hide in the godly-inspired words of the prayer song of David? What capital is necessary to place into circulation so that we can gain a great treasure in the virtue of the revelations of the Holy Spirit? What power must we use for the circulation of our capital so that we gain a great treasure? And what conditions must we fulfill so that we have the power necessary for the circulation of our capital? On all these four questions, we can quickly answer them. Uh, today I listened to this sermon and however many times I listen I with great joy listen to it and as pastor said there are very many places of scripture that could become uh, the answer to all these questions but we will read that same place of scripture that was shown to us in which we, be, 
contained the answers to all four questions, although a pastor turned to other images as well and to other places of Scripture. But Romans chapter 8, verses 14 through 25. And, you know, I won't read it for that reason that in each of these questions, he takes this, uh, this place of Scripture and reads it. So let us turn to the first question. And again, read it. What treasure in the realization of our hope did the Holy Spirit hide in the godly-inspired words of the prayer song of David? And let us read the concluding words, Romans chapter 8, verses 22 through 25. For we know that the whole creation groans and labors with birth pangs together until now. We're talking about the angels of God. Not only that, but we also have the first fruits of the Spirit. Even we ourselves groan within ourselves, eagerly waiting for the adoption, the redemption of our body. Pastor there highlighted the redemption of our bodies. For we were saved in this hope, but hope that is seen is not hope. For why does one still hope for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we eagerly wait for it with perseverance. We remember very well that hope can be accepted only through faith that is given to us by the apostles. You cannot find it anywhere or take it anywhere. We can we can receive it only only through the faith that is passed on to us from the apostles through that information pastor tells us that in order to wait with patience the fulfillment of our hope it is necessary to know very well to learn it and to define this hope otherwise how do we wait for that which we cannot provide a clear definition for and which we are not confident that it can be revealed at a certain time established by god hope is the patient waiting for of the fulfillment of those promises that God has promised in order to bring us to the full measure of the stature of Christ. So, hope is the treasury, the treasury of all those sworn promises of God that are placed on our account in Christ Jesus in our heart. According to these revelations, the great treasure that had caused David to have unearthly joy is the adoption of our body. He had rejoiced when he had received this. In his Psalms, he wrote about this when our body had went out into a broad place out of from being in distress. And you know, when we heard this revelation in this day, I know that when I hear something, it as if a thunder sounds something all of a sudden there's in the atmosphere energy in the atmosphere this had happened when this revelation we had heard of because this revelation was very strong in its strength and we have already gotten used to we already know that at the door of rapture something will happen a promise a multitude of people multitude of people do not know this they don't know this and they do not wait for it they don't meditate upon this they do not understand of it and even if you speak of this to them they don't hear it because their ears are closed and in that moment and I, as I mentioned this was like a th thunder um, and lightning and it was so uh, beautiful to hear this in every service and we had heard it for thousands of different images proverbs revelations images pastor shows it from different angles because it is contained in scripture all throughout and we can see this the category of people that is going to be clothed into the new man will become in the dimension of time a clear testimony of the seventh day this is what abraham had seen now this will soon become clear he had seen this about which 
Jesus at one time told the Jews, Your father Abraham rejoiced to see my day, and he saw it and was glad. Then the Jews said to him, You are not yet fifty years old, and have you seen Abraham? Jesus said to them, Most assuredly I say to you, before Abraham was, I am. Then they took up stones to throw at him, but Jesus hid himself and went out of the temple, going through the midst of them, and so passed by. You know, when each time when I had met this place of scripture and Pastor read it, I always had a question. Why did the Jews tell him these words? You are not yet 50 years old. And he said, even if Jesus was 50 years old, even if he was 100 years old, Abraham lived long, long, long before the coming of Jesus. How would this have been even possible? And having listened to the sermons, all of a sudden I heard an answer where Pastor, where Pastor answered, and perhaps I'd missed this before, and I really liked it because I never had paid attention to this. It turns out, turns out that there are two languages, the language of time and the language of eternity. Jesus spoke here with the language of eternity. He said, before Abraham was, I am. And the Jews did not know this language. They did not know where there was a language of time and there was a language of eternity. And you know that all of the prophets, all the apostles, they also used this uh, this language when they had sealed the word of God. And sometimes in one verse, you can see all of a sudden there is spoken the language of time and the language of eternity. But you will not understand this. We need... A, a person as a prophet who will reveal this to us. And that's why our pastor, as a prophet of God, he has this vision as, as a prophet has the right to take from the depths of God to see and to say that in this verse there is this language and there is that language. That's why here is very interesting when I had understood this, I'd always stumble and thought, well, why did they say this? Well, of course, they're 50, but what, did they see Abraham? Well, even if they were 200, they would not have seen Abraham. The thing is, is that they uh, did not deal in this deal with this language or two languages Abraham was able to see the glory of the seventh day in the face of God's chosen remnants clothed in Jesus Christ in the new man created by God so we had heard about how pastor said he looked at this glorified church he had seen this day of Christ in Revelation God had shown him the uh, the tabernacle of his glory when Moses had sung this we heard on on Sunday that this is the church of Christ where we enter this tabernacle of glory and Apostle Paul speaking of the glory of the seventh day in the face of the bride of the Lamb wrote that Abraham awaited the city with a foundation whose artist and maker and builder was God by faith, Abraham obeyed when he was called to go out to the place which he would receive as an inheritance, and he went out not knowing where he was going. By faith, he did what we do now. He cooperated his faith. This is information. He received this information, and then he obeyed. Faith is obedience on our end. He had obeyed. He had submitted. By faith, he dwelt in the land of promise, as in a foreign country, dwelling in tents with Isaac and Jacob, the heirs with him of the same promise. For he waited for the city which has foundations, whose builder and maker is God. Hebrews chapter 11, verses 8 through 10. And we know that Abraham, Isaac, and Jacob, 
they were prophets of God and they knew about this promise very well. They were well aware about this promise that we today have heard. They had kept it in themselves. They had carried it within themselves. They had carried this aspect in their faith. And when Christ has risen, according to his resurrection, uh, with him arose those righteous men wives they had risen along with him as we had heard this is the cloud of witnesses and they have already received this great treasure they have received this treasure in their bodies and to summarize the answer to this question that falls with the definition of the great treasure and the revelation of the word of god that caused david to have unearthly joy was adoption of our bodies through the clothing of them into the new man he had grown in him this word he had rejoiced he had grown it is necessary to grow we hear this word as a seed but it is necessary to grow it as we had heard so that we uh, can offer fruit David rejoiced when he received this revelation and he believed in that his body would be adopted he also had risen along with Christ as we had heard and when Christ was went up into the clouds then there was a meeting place of all the saints with Christ this we had heard pastor told us long ago right now he had reminded us of this but we have already heard long ago when he told us this revelation that David and Abraham Isaac and Jacob Moses Elijah Isaiah Daniel Gideon all of these are godly men these are the great cloud of witnesses and they had taken up christ had taken up christ when he went up on the mountain of elion and i i think i perhaps will not conclude and we have 10 minutes left there is enough remaining here i think you will listen to this sermon again you will listen to it at home uh, this was January 28 2018 very interesting sermon uh, very rich and if we quickly say what is what capital was placed in circulation then this capital I want to say that we are the purchasers because the purchasers are those saints who know how to place the circulation into uh, place it into circulation in order for us to receive a profit we need to know these seven steps that we have went over how we need to sow who what we need to be what we need to pay and this capital in us is our whole life our whole life when we die to all and become servants of God when we become disciples when we are clothed in the in the dignity of the Lord when when we have this ability to accept the the ex, accept being clothed into God and the field upon which he heard we he looked for this treasure is a soil of the heart is important if in our heart there is not this truth if there is not that golden street that is made out of pure gold as clear glass this is thumim that faith in the dignity of the reigning teaching of Christ we will then not be able to search for the treasure we need for this street to be in our heart this golden street and then from the throne of the lamb will flow the river so when we grow the truth in ourselves as we heard if we grow the truth then the mercy of god will come to this 
and we'll we'll come to this truth, and then the and then this meeting place will take place in the clouds. Because when we grow this righteousness, we become we become the twins of Christ. The power that we are placed into circulation is the power of the Holy Spirit, or the power that we need to circulate our capital is the power of the Holy Spirit. The Holy Spirit must become for us the Lord and ruler. He must enter our heart as the Lord and ruler, as King. And He will enter only when He sees that we have the golden street. This is the truth. And that's why the condition, again, is very important. And I want to just conclude with that. One pastor, there's a very beautifully said, he explains, and and uh, the prayer is very beautiful, and the prayer is also revelation. I oftentimes use prayers because in prayers, he talks, speaks of certain revelations. We in our cell groups, we pray along with him continually, and we take from there certain truths. Because even in prayer are those truths, because he prays, uh, he prays according to revelations. And that's why we need to be found in great trembling and fear so that no one can take what we have, so that we can continue to, to proclaim, to be found in the state, so that we do not lose that which we have worked hard for, so that we receive the grateful reward. Because this discipleship could be lost. A disciple is when he clothes in this, uh, this garments of a disciple. He, it humbles him. It leads him into being a servant of the Lord, upon which God looks upon and demonstrates his favor or shows his favor. And for this, it is necessary to be vigilant, to be vigilant at all time, to pray. And we are found here. This is the place where we can be found in God. This is that rock where we can be found and be found in his commandments. That's why let us bow our heads. We have a little bit of time and we will pray. Dear Heavenly Father, in the name of Jesus Christ, we are grateful to you that we have the privilege and the, and the ability to be in this place that your holy hand has outlined on the place of which dwells your glory, on the place of which dwells in your almighty word is magnified, from which we are based on which we are fed with, where we find ourselves. The word which we look into, the word which we love, we thank you that coming here, we come in the name of Jesus Christ to you. According to your great mercy, you accept us. I thank you that we today are prepared for a meeting, prepared for a meeting. We observe our hearts. We observe ourselves how we are listening to this word. We come here at that place that you have outlined, that place that you have appointed to erect an altar here out of the 12 stones so that upon this altar we can carry up a prayer and so that this prayer could become the sacrifice so that you can hear it. We thank you that each time that we gather here, you declare this 
a Sabbath for the saints. This is a great feast, and we rejoice that we can receive your word and see this great reward, to see this great treasure, to look upon that reward that Moses had looked upon. It was easier for him to go and to, to suffer looking at that reward that you had shown to Abraham looking at that city, Jerusalem, that was adorned as a bridegroom. You said, let us rejoice and be glad, for the marriage supper of the Lamb has come, and she was given to be clothed in pure linen, clean and bright, for the linen is the righteousness of saints. This is that great reward that we continue to look upon, that we are called to be clothed in, you have desired to give it to us and that's why we thank you that through through this word we are able to be clothed you build in us our heavens and our earth with this great word you have prepared a new heaven and a new earth with this great word, this almighty word that you have magnified above all, you will destroy the power of death in our bodies and will erect the power of resurrection. With this great word, this great word, this living word, you will transform our bodies in the blink of an eye and you will rapture us to meet with the Lord in the air where we will be met with this hope with the great glory. We thank you, Lord, that today we are able to proclaim that which we are continuing to be your creation, being renewed and being perfected, looking at that invisible that you show us. We look at with an unveiled face, preparing our heart. Our heart is clean. We continue to cleanse it from dead works. From every, from every religiousness, we continue to cleanse it so that we do not walk before people, but we walk before you. As you had said to Abraham, walk before me. We are continuing to look upon you and upon your word, upon that revelation that you offer us. We thank you that you feed us. You feed us with this food that having been found in this marital supper, your table is covered for your children and this is the food that we today have and it brings us to to astonishment to amusement eating of it we understand that you have said that along that by doing this we can lift up our wings and fly amid all these tribulations these illnesses among all these news fears we can lift up be lifted up higher and higher we continue to build our place as a tabernacle upon that very height that you have built upon that word that you have established. This is our place where we live. We thank you that it is specifically from this place that we are able to be fed. You will not leave us without bread and without water. We bow down before your great mercy that each time we receive we receive new revelations we thank you that that which you 
revealed to us and we see this we consider this a great blessing that we are able to see that we are able to hear that we are able to understand that we know who we are what we are and the more we understand the more we are humbled and thank you that having been clothed in these garments of a disciple that have has led us into being servants of the Lord we rejoice that we have become your Zion because looking upon the Zion you also rejoice because your Zion is our bodies which you will soon deliver and free according to your great mercy from the captivity of sin and death we thank you for that word that you offer us may each holy person be blessed in this place in this word that we use we use it for ourselves let we be blessed before your countenance according to your great mercy we thank you that you according to your great mercy will clothe us in imperishability you will gird us with joy and we will rejoice and be glad in you we rejoice today because entering to your temple we become that green olive tree that resurrection we resurrect here continually and we today dwell in death and this death brings comfort because we're in the death of Christ where there is complete quietness but soon you will lead us out out of our distress upon this broad place we are continuing to rejoice despite all despite what is happening around us we have understood how to live and we thank you we thank you that you have given us that peace with God that peace that very few have upon this earth but we according to your mercy and great bliss have found this have received this peace of God and we will keep it we have received the love of God the joy of God and we bowing down before you rejoice and we incline our hearts and we thank you our Almighty God Father Son and Holy Spirit Amen our Father in heaven hallowed be your name your kingdom come your will be done on earth as it is in heaven give us this day our daily bread and forgive us our debts as we forgive our debtors and do not lead us into temptation but deliver us from the evil one for yours is the kingdom and the power and the glory forever amen and we'll conclude with our manifestation now to him who is able to keep you from stumbling and present you faultless before the presence of his glory with exceeding joy to God our Savior who alone is wise be glory and majesty dominion and power both now and forever Amen